Welcome into the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Mike Meltzer. He is Jay Kaplan. We're discussing the Astros after taking two of three. It really should have been a sweep against the San Francisco Giants. Uh, they play the Mariners this weekend as they continue the homestand. Right now, we're recording on, Jake, the, the infamous much-needed off day for this team because they are all desperately needed in a 60-game season. There's some teams who just have their first off day. And I think the Astros have had three or four already, and they won't. <laughs> Dusty Baker keeps bringing up this long stretch they have. Of, <laughs> See, of I, I, I a couldn't lot of do this. I couldn't do this, Jake, on like the St. Louis Cardinals podcast because every day for them is basically an off day. Yeah, in, in the in the way that you don't want. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, come on, like you're you're going to play 17 games in a row, so I I mean, you better just like like. They play a lot of games in a row in baseball. Like, it's not nothing new. I don't understand why. <laughs> like, they literally had an off day on either end of a series recently. They and, did. And it, both of them were much needed somehow. I don't get it. But <laughs> just, because anyway. they've, just because they've been sprinkled in, they're still much needed. Uh, so we're going to go through a bunch of different uh, topics with the Astros, the bullpen and the woes on that end. Jordan Alvarez, some hope about what's going to happen possibly as soon as uh, this weekend. Justin Verlander, maybe some hope there as well. Uh, there was an interesting game on Wednesday night, J- uh, Jake, where we had a couple of bizarre things happen, including the Astros leaving in a pitcher, <laughs> Brooks Raley, because of some bizarre miscommunication between Dusty Baker and Brooks Raley. Yeah, I would say it was one of the more boring games they've played up until that point, right? I mean, I guess there was some, some it, it's always, there's some degree of interest when Grinky's pitching, but like, it was kind of a quiet game with not much action, uh, yeah. at least until that Maldonado homer. But yeah, uh, I've never seen that before, where a pitcher doesn't know he's supposed to come out of the game, and he goes back out there, and it was... Quite something. I mean, obviously, it worked out for the Astros because Brooks really got three more outs, and um, you know they were able to move move on to the ninth inning with Blake Taylor. But yeah, like I guess as Dusty Baker explained at post game, he he went over and and gave a fist bump to Brooks Raley after the seventh and said, "Good job." And that's supposed to mean you're out of the game. But Brooks Raley, who just joined the Astros yesterday, did not know that. Um, so he went back out and once you cross the white lines, you have to face at least I, I'm still unclear if it's face one batter or three more batters, but he ended up facing three batters. That's an interesting twist right there. Does he have to face just one more or three more out because of the rule where each reliever now has the three batter minimum unless you finish an inning? Uh, I would tend to think, without reading the rule book, I probably should have done that. Especially since I since I masquerade as a lawyer, I probably should have read the rule book. I'm guessing it's probably one. Um, I think so, it's one. Yeah, I think it's probably one. Um, so, uh, my first thought, and the announcers talked about this, like, well, they th- they thought about the three batter minimum, but. I'm like, okay, well, Blake Taylor, I don't think faced three guys on Tuesday, and but because yeah, he finished finish an the inning, inning, yeah, then it, yeah, then it cuts it off essentially. Um, should I blame Dusty Baker a lot on this? I mean, obviously, there's got to be communication between the manager and whatever reliever you have as far as when they're actually done. Brooks Raley just got there, um, and it actually, and I, I think a lot of people weren't too sad to see Brooks Raley stay in instead of bringing in the flammable Josh James right now. So I think a lot of people were cool with it, especially the way it worked out, where Raley throws a scoreless eighth inning. Yeah, but like, shouldn't you? 
I don't know. Like, there's a pitchers are new to teams all the time, and yeah. they don't do this. So I feel like there's some kind of breakdown there where it could have been maybe more clear. Uh, but yeah, it, weird, it's, it's weird not, occurrence. Yeah, it's not a great way to run a baseball team. I would say moving forward, like that's obviously something that they <laughs> they need to clean up, which shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, and I also wanted to make one other point about last night's game, and I guess it's been every Grinky Zach Grinky start so far. So like the the thing where he like waves his hand um, or does like a hand gesture to call the sign. Yes. Um, which I think he's done in every start, at least three of the four. It's, I mean, obviously you never see that and it's hilarious and it's awesome because it's cranky. Um, and then last night he was, Wednesday night he was doing like the calling out the signs with his, you know, <laughs> vocally. Yeah. Um, I just, like, I think it's great and funny, but also at the same time, like I think people are like expecting that, like I think they people think that like the hitter knows what's coming because of it. That's not the case, right? Like I, on Twitter, everyone's like, "Oh, he's telling the hitter what pitch is coming." And again, here I am citing Twitter, which is what I don't like to do. Um, that's that's my role usually. Yeah, <laughs> Every, the hitter knows what pitch is coming, and they still can't hit it. And, like if if you called oh. out like the the stuff he's calling out to me, I still don't know what's coming. Like I don't know. You're missing the decoding process, like of so, the sign, right? Yeah. Like I I don't know what's coming still. I'm a little. Can can you explain to the audience, Jake, if you can, what exactly is he calling out to Maldonado? Like I, I've I've seen the videos and I've been watching it, but I've I've been a little bit unclear on any, on exactly what he is saying about the signs. I think so. He's he explained it as when there's a runner on second base. Yeah, especially he wants to speed up the game. He doesn't like to shake a lot, and so he's basically like skipping the shaking process. And this is a guy who has like six pitches, right? So I guess that shaking process could be long sometimes. Yeah. Um, and he's basically getting to what he wants quicker by calling out some kind of prefixed thing that they've presumably decided beforehand. Um, but like, not he's not telling the hitter what pitch is coming because the hitter doesn't yeah. know the exact signs they're using, right? Like that's I don't know. I thought that was kind of lost on a lot. It seems like it was lost on people, but still, I mean, obviously, it's really funny and cool, and I hope he keeps does doing it. It doesn't sound like he is super sold on continuing it. He said it was kind of made things go longer last night, and they messed it up sometimes. So I'm not sure if we'll keep doing it, but you know, it, it it's certainly been. Uh, an interesting experience watching him this season between that and sitting in the stands in Oakland with the cutouts. Yeah, I feel like some in some weird way, this season is like tailor-made for Granky. Uh, there are no fans in the stands, doesn't have to deal with the media in person and deal with that awkwardness. Uh, I feel like his personality is showing with <laughs> sitting with the cutouts. He's also pitched really well the last three times out. Um, it's a totally different ex- experience watching Granky pitch as compared to watching, let's say, Verlander. Um, both are tremendous pitchers, but with Verlanders, a lot of it is just like the the horsepower and sort of the physicality. Where with Granky, it's like you know you got that eighty eight mile an hour fastball, you know a sixty five mile an hour curve. He's mixing in all sorts of pitches. There's there's an artistry to it, um, and you have and the, the Astros too. Exactly. Yes. Um, and, you know, Granky, you know, four after four starts at a two, five, three ERA, they've only won one of his four starts. So that's something that needs to improve for the Astros moving forward. But I, I've really enjoyed watching him so far this season. He's been much better than he was for most of those regular season starts with them last year. Right. Like Definitely. It, it just seems different. Um, yes. 
Yeah, he is fun to watch because, like, like you said, he's throwing 88 and the command is, is really good. Although, I didn't think he was as good in the Giants game, um, especially at the start. But, yeah, yes. he, he's – I mean, they have to – that's a, that's pretty amazing that last night was the first Grinky start they've won, um, according to what you just said. So, that's – you know, especially with Verlander out, they have to basically win all of his starts, right? I would think so. I, you know, I sense some hesitation in your analysis of me saying that, but it is true. It is I, true. I, I, don't, they, I, I, I'm not hesitating. I'm not doubting you. I just hadn't put that together yeah, his because his first start was against the Mariners, and I just assumed they beat the Mariners. Uh, yeah, I they guess. lost. They lost that one. They lost that weird, the weird Angels game. That second one that went to extra innings, and then of course the Friday game, the extra inning, thirteen inning game against the A's last Friday. That, that's a game that they should have won. All three losses were one run losses. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, all one run losses. Okay, so let's dive into some of the issues with the Astros, and let's begin, Jake, with a thought or analysis on the bullpen. Per fan graphs, and this is not updated as of Wednesday, but heading into Wednesday's game, the Astros had, by win probability added, the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball. I've watched all the games. I don't know if it's felt that way necessarily. The bullpen has not been great, to say the least. Um, but if you had asked me, I'm not watching these other teams on nearly an everyday basis. I would have been a little bit surprised. Um, but the bullpen does need to improve. And it's a weird scenario because... We are nearly three weeks into the season, and I I still think because there are so many rookies, so many young pitchers, Dusty Baker is still trying to figure out what he has in each each individual guy. Yeah, I was I was surprised it was the worst, especially because they had like a decent stretch there where it was outperforming what you thought it would, right? Yeah, but that's, the, that's the why I was surprised. Philly's Twitter like is still on my timeline, and I keep hearing about how bad that bullpen is. So I was surprised that by by at least this one metric, which, you know, there's plenty of other metrics you could say the Phillies are worse than the Astros in bullpen-wise, but by at least win probability added, the Astros were the worst coming into Wednesday. Um, yeah, my take is kind of like this bullpen is what we thought it was, right? Like, you know, they're missing... They lost Will Harris, who was their best reliever, uh, to free agency. They're missing their closer, Roberto Osuna. They're missing... Middle relievers, Joe Smith, Brad Peacock, Austin Pruitt was supposed to factor in there. Um, you know, Chris Davinsky, you know, last year was more of like a mop-up guy. Um, but even that's valuable, right? Um, yep. Just filling those innings. Um, ditto for Joe Biagini, uh, your favorite. Yes. Um, you know, and Josh James was in the bullpen last year, started this year in the rotation. Now he's back in the bullpen, but not but not pitching well. So, and then and probably the biggest thing we'll talk about is Ryan Presley hasn't pitched well. So it's just, you know, I guess there's some surprises mixed in there. Like Presley's a surprise that he's not pitching well in a small sample. But ultimately, like when when you have this personnel, like it wasn't sustainable what they did for that stretch early. You know, this is this was kind of what we thought was going to happen, right? Yeah, I think the more innings that you're going to throw at with this bullpen, for example, the 13-inning game or Christian Javier having a having a bad start the last time out in Oakland, like you're going to see some holes in the bullpen. But I would say the biggest surprise so far has been out of Ryan Presley's appearances, only one of them has been effective, the Friday game in Oakland. Otherwise, um on Monday against the Giants, give up a, a, a couple of hits. Josh James was really the fault. Josh James should have never pitched that inning, by the way. That was a terrible job by Dusty Baker, I thought. Um, but then the next night, Ryan Presley 
blows the save, blows the game against the Giants, and they need him to pitch way better. Um, I know you and I have talked a lot about, you know, closer. Should there really be a closer? Is it really about the high leverage spots? I don't know if you agree or disagree, but um, regardless of that conversation, I have always felt watching baseball that there's something a little bit different about the last three outs of the game. Whether you say the word closer or not, however you want to frame it, I've always felt watching baseball that there's something a little bit different about getting the last three outs versus getting like the eighth inning outs or the seventh inning outs no matter who the batter is in the lineup are you going to start citing someone's batting average now i am not i've just always felt that way (laughs) I, i actually to add on to that i i actually so far have underrated the loss of osuna who I never really trusted, but I was going back last night preparing for this, and I think the Astros would be 10-8 and eight, or around there. I, I think they'd be 10-8 and eight if he had not gotten hurt because in the game Osuna was injured, he was actually trying to close out a save against the Angels. And while there was a guy on base, I mean, I think there's a decent chance that he would have either finished that game. Then let's say Osuna had stayed healthy. Well, I don't think Presley would have been trying to close a game against the Diamondbacks last Thursday. And then you had the blown save that I mentioned on Tuesday against the Giants. I think if Osuna, even with my sketchy confidence in Osuna, like I think they probably would have won maybe not all three of those games, but even two of them. And they'd be sitting at 10 and eight and not eight and 10 as of our recording. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like they feel like they've played to like a nine and nine, 10 and eight level more so than... Um, are they, are they eight and 10 right now? They are. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Cause it just, it just makes everyone else have to go up a rung on the bullpen hierarchy, right? Like that's a big thing right now is like, they have what, seven guys who are miscasts in their current roles. Um, like size needs been their, their worst reliever by win probability added. And he's pitched some of the highest leverage innings. Yes. By leverage index. So that's a problem. Um, but like he that's, you know, he's miscast as that guy. He in a normal um, like last year, he was like the up and down guy and trip from triple A to the majors or the last guy in the bullpen like him, Davinsky, Biagini, those type of guys should be in like the seventh or eighth reliever roles, not the leverage roles. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think not having Osuna who, by the way, according to Dusty Baker on Wednesday, is, is trying to rehab and come back late in the season. Which, a little surprising. Yeah, which doesn't, um, which based on what we heard from from uh, Fox 26, is it? Uh, That's right. Last week, that didn't sound like it was, you know, it's, the Fox reports sounded a lot more ominous than this news. We'll see if it, it did, if it works. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like not having that, that, that extra high leverage reliever just makes everyone else have to step up and and i don't know if they have enough good relievers to really fill that void fellows are you prepared to unveil your summer bod manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild they have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0 this is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave this third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents You can also adjust settings to get a length you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com 
and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, valued at $39, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. So with Ryan Presley, I know you've dug into some of the numbers, Jake. What exactly, I know it's a small sample size still, three weeks in, but what exactly is going wrong with Ryan Presley when you dig into the stats? Yeah, and it is a small sample. Three and two-thirds innings um, is not a lot because, remember, he had that elbow soreness early, and then Dusty Baker just kind of forgot about him, it seemed like, for a while. Um, So he's only made a couple appearances. Um, Yeah, he's just not missing as many bats. Um, First of all, he's walking more guys. Remember his first half last year when he was incredible? It was... I think he went like a month without walking a single guy. And then he had six walks in the first half in, in almost 40 innings when he was an all-star. Uh, he already has three walks in three and two-thirds innings. So that's that's one thing. Um, he's, he's giving more free passes. And then just, you know, he's just not missing as many bats. Swinging strikes in 2018, he had swinging strikes on 17.6% of pitches. And that was only a half year with the Astros. 2019, 17.7%. That's a half year when he's when he's hurt, um, and then 2020 he's he's at 12 percent. So that's a big drop off. Again, very small sample, but something to watch. And the contact rate has gone up from like the 64, 65 percent range to the 76 percent uh, range. So yes, he's just it's just that's a, it's as simple as that. Like his stuff is fine. I mean, his velo is down a tick, but nothing to worry about this early. And he's just he's just not. You know, whether it's command or, or whatever, he's just not missing uh, nearly as many bats as, as the Astros have grown accustomed to since they acquired him in, in July 2018. I think there are a couple of things happening. I don't think he's been as good, and I also think he's been a little bit unlucky. So I think it's the combination of things that are leading to those results. You mentioned his stuff. I thought it was interesting, and we don't have to agree or disagree, but Mike Stanton on the AT&T Sportsnet broadcast after the Monday game that they lost, that they should never have lost, um, that they were up, I think it was 6-1 to one or 6-2, to two, uh, Presley blew the save. And this, he was obviously, he was pitching with only a one-run lead, so a, th- a thin cushion after Hunter Pence's home run uh, to right field off Blake Taylor. Stanton mentioned that he thought Presley wasn't really trusting his fastball in that particular game. I don't know if that was some, I don't know if that's something that's been over the course of the other poor outings, um, especially like against Arizona last week where it's, you know, you have the lead, then four guys later, game over, walk off basically. Uh, But Stanton felt like Presley wasn't really trusting his fastball. If you look at percentage of pitches thrown, he's throwing the fastball more this season than he was last season. Um, Another interesting thing is that the batting average on balls in play this year is 563, which will come down. Um, and that kind of, I think... <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that dovetails with your point about the contact rates. Um, right. When you're giving up more contact and the ball is going for a hit more than half the time, that's not going to lead to good results. I did also look at his percentage of, like, you know, soft speed contact, medium speed, hard, uh, you know, hard speed contact. The, the hard speed contact is actually down from last season, but there's a ton of medium speed contact being given up and very little uh, soft speed. I, again, this is like real deep dive stuff for someone like me. Um, and it's probably a small sample size because Ryan Presley's been a pro since, uh, you know, 2013, right? And these numbers have never been at this level. 
but it's clear he's not pitching as well. He's not missing as many at-bats. And so when, when we talk about pi- uh, fixing the Astros' bullpen, what has to happen is, like, Ryan Presley needs to at least be a little bit above average. Yeah, he need, he doesn't need to be necessarily, like, first half 2019. That might be too ambitious because that was, like, you know, amazing. Like, the best reliever we've seen uh, in a long time. But... um I think he needs to be at least like second half 2018, right? Like where yep. he was he was starting to really um, get some attention for what he was doing. Yeah, maybe Mike Stanton has a point. I I mean, when I say stuff, I mean I, I didn't I haven't dug into like movement too much on his um, slider or curveball, whether that's changed. Um, but his like fastball velocity, while a tick down, is still really good. Um, and like his spin rates fine and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, he's always the curveball and slider have always been better than his fastball, yeah. right? Like he's those are two elite breaking balls. Um, but yeah, I mean, the bad will come down. I, there have been like some singles, right? But he's made it worse with the walks. Um, yeah, I, I think he definitely needs to be better. Again, it's it's only three and two thirds innings, and you know. It's, it's going to be tough for to evaluate relievers this year on an individual basis just because they're not going to have, you know, a huge sample to draw from. Um, I have, a, I have a, a trivia question for you. Who do you Go th- ahead. Who do you think the Astros' leader in their bullpen for win probability added is? I'm going to guess it is Andre Scrub. You got it. Good job. Well, listen, I mean, he, you know, he's a weird body guy. Uh, He's got weird stuff in that. He doesn't really have much velocity. You know, he's operating with like a 93 mile an hour fastball. He's got that big looping curveball. But Jake, the guy's been really effective now three times out. He's got eight walks in eight and two thirds innings and hasn't given up a single run. Um, Yeah. And he's given up five hits, too. So I think there's some good luck in there. But yeah, his his um, his curveball is really good. I think. It is. I mean, can I try to sell you on the Astros being able to cobble together, I'll say, an average bullpen? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Now, again, Dusty Baker and James Click, I'm sure, they're basically living day-to-day, especially with a team that's below 500 right now where they need to get themselves you know, above that point. I think there have been some signs with some of these younger relievers. I mean, they're they're rookies, the, all of them except for Ryan Presley, and now um, obviously Brooks Raley are rookies. Brooks Raley's still a rookie, even though he debuted in 2012. He's still considered a rookie. Is he? Yep. Okay. Well, fair enough. <laughs> so Blake Taylor has been very promising. I think that's fair to say. Uh, he's only had really, I think, one bad outing. And that Pence home run, I thought, was one of those like weird, cheap, minute-made right field home right. runs, personally. I agree. Uh, so Blake Taylor's been very promising. That was a good last addition by Jeff Luno. Anoli Paredes has come out, and I thought the last two times out been really explosive and had some real moments. Like He's the guy who, with his fastball, can challenge guys in the strike zone. So that's two guys. Uh, Andre Scrub. Again, I don't know how I don't know what's going to happen when he keeps facing guys and his stuff is sort of like you're not sure how it's going to hold up over a longer sample size, but he seems promising. So that's 3. And then if Brooks Raley, now this is a real small sample size. You're talking about like two outings that combine probably 7 or 8 outs. Uh he's like pretty good from the left side. So the two younger right-handers and 
hopefully for the Astros, two viable lefties. Like that's four different guys who they can go to. Um, I think the big thing is they need to get Presley to be pitching better and they need to get Josh James to be pitching much, much, much more effectively. I was thinking about last year's bullpen. I'm thinking like, you know, how do you have a really good bullpen like that? The big thing with having Presley, Osuna, Will Harris, Joe Smith is that those guys pitch well to where like they'll pitch poorly once in a while. Like you're talking like they might go like a month without having a bad outing. Whereas I'm sure with these young guys, like a Paredes or a scrub, there's going to be a lot more volatility uh, week to week. But I do think there has been some promise with these guys to where if the starters go deep enough, deep enough into these games and the offense produces, unlike the first Oakland game, like I, I do think there is some promise in the bullpen. Am I, am I overselling it in your mind? Maybe t- slightly, but I, I, I do agree with you on, on some of it. I, I think like, you know, for, it's also like a year when starters are not pitching as deep, right? And yep. I think the Astros starters have to pitch deeper. Um, like I thought Dusty Baker should have kept Zach Greinke in on Wednesday night. I th- McCullers obviously went hmm. deep on uh, Monday. Monday. Was, it, was that Monday? Yeah, Monday. Um, you know, that was another part of last year, right? Like you had Verlander and Cole going deep every single time. And even Wade Miley went pretty deep. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think there's some some bright spots in the bullpen, like long, longer term. I think Anoli Paredes looks pretty good as like a prospect. Um, you know, you're right though. It really, it's going to hinge on Presley and James. Um, you know, they should get Brad Peacock back relatively soon. He's throwing off a mound. So that, that okay. would be a big addition if he's like the Brad, the steady Brad Peacock um, that you've seen in the past with the, you know, the slider uh, against righties, especially, um, I think there's a case because of how well Belak's pitched in the two starts that maybe they should just beat up Jose Arquiti and start him out of the bullpen. Um, maybe that would be less pressure on him also coming back. Um, and and see if you need him in the rotation. Uh, to to help you in the bullpen first, I, I think there's a case that you should do that. But yeah, Scrub's been solid. J- uh, Blake Taylor's been good. I agree with you. I think the the stat they showed on on the on I was watching the Giants broadcast Wednesday night was was that that Pence home run on Tuesday was a homer only in three parks in, in one. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Minute Maid, Yankee Stadium, and Petco. Yep. So um, yeah, I I agree with your your overall point. I but I, I don't think it's going to get much easier. I mean, they will get a couple guys back, but like they, I think they also need the starters to go a little deeper. I think that's fair. I do think it'll help if they can get Peacock back. If Belak can keep pitching around this level, that's a big if. Um, and if you get Jose Urquidy back, which I don't think is much as much is as much of an if. But if you get Peacock and you get Urquidy back, and let's say their role for this season, especially in the case of Jose Urquidy, is just in the bullpen, then all of a sudden you've got like you know six viable options in the bullpen on a night to night basis, just depending on you know who pitched last and how many pitches are thrown. Um, so then then you're in a situation where 
you don't have to have Cy Sneed pitching all the time with a runner on second base in a high leverage situation. Then Cy Sneed is back relegated to, you know, the real back of the bullpen. And you don't have to worry about, you know, bringing in a Nivaldo Rodriguez or one of these guys who's not here anymore, like Brian Abreu or someone like Umberto Castellano. So I think I think that would help as well. Uh, also, do we expect Fernando Rodney here at some point? God, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't he be up already? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, because they have to add him. The, the obstacle facing Fernando Rodney is that he's not on the 40-man roster. So he has to show to be a, like, actual improvement over what they have, which would seem like not that hard, but also he's 43 and hasn't, you know, wasn't very good last year. Um, and they have, you know, Edgertronic cameras and TrackMan data on him and Corpus Christi. So, like, they know yep. what he's throwing right now. So, I don't know. I thought it was a little more of a, you know, no doubter that he'd be up at some point this time a week ago. But the fact that he hasn't been called up since, I'm not as certain. Um, you know, they Good also point. have chased a young down there who they've been stretching out, which is which is maybe more valuable um, having like a long reliever than having a one inning guy. Um, Hector Velasquez is down there and he's, I think he's been a starter in the past. Maybe they can stretch him out. So I think there's more value in having the stretched out relievers than the one inning relievers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's what do you think about the Arkady thing? Number one and number two, like this conversation just really made me um, think like, how big a deal it is that Brian Abreu regressed that much. Like, Oh yeah. Coming into the year, we thought he was like the X factor in the bullpen based on how we looked in September and spring training. And then the fact that he wasn't good and, you know, already got optioned. I think that's a huge loss that they were counting on. Um, That's a big deal. I totally agree. This is one of those situations, Jake, where, I mean, they, they got unlucky. Nobody's going to feel bad for them nationally for obvious reasons. But like, when you think about, the entire offseason, um, they re- like they re-signed Joe Smith, two years, eight million bucks. <laughs> if they had known that he wasn't going to be a factor as they found, and we still don't know officially the word on Joe Smith, uh, but if they had known, let's say, in June or July, then I'm guessing they would have allocated that money differently and maybe re-signed Will Harris, maybe brought in somebody else. Um, so that obviously hurt them. And I, I think... Josh James has hurt them. Now, to be fair, they were, I think they were counting on him more as developing into a starting pitcher. So I don't think they get as much credit for Josh James as uh, as the Joe Smith situation. And yeah, you're 100% right. Abreu is a guy who I was thinking going to the postseason last year, like, hey, this guy's got to be on the roster. He was really promising down the stretch in September, and he's been a disaster in 2020. It's been... So the problem is that you had triage in the bullpen, and maybe as they get Peacock and Urquidy back, that it just helps kind of stabilize thing, things. You asked me about Urquidy. Um, I have no... Right. Like, I have optimism about Urquidy as a starter long-term. Obviously, when people think about Urquidy, they go to one performance, which was game four of the World Series. Uh, Again, small sample size. I think it'll help them just having another arm in the bullpen. Um, I don't know, like, how often they're going to be able to, you know, use him. Like, is it going to be like, it's not like he's going to be pitching, I'm guessing, on back-to-back nights. But I think he's going to help. I know it's probably a lame take, but they need all the help help they can get back there. Yeah, I mean... 
they're not missing like one person. They're down like three or four good relievers, right? In terms of like yeah. what, what they need to be a good bullpen. And it, I think that it's more than a lot of anything to do with bad luck. Like, sure, you can't anticipate a pandemic. You can't anticipate uh, injuries. But I think this is also exposing a lack of depth. And for years, Jeff Luno didn't sign minor league free agents, you know, to fill out the the triple a bullpen and and you know that's why they have to sign all these guys all of a sudden now um i i think it's more than more than just like every team's dealing with this to an extent so i think you have to chalk it up with more than to bad luck um because they are it's not like if like they're just down a like a closer like they're they're down like three or four good leverage relievers so yes um I agree with your point about Urquidy, though. Like we and we've talked about this on the pod before. Like he's still not a proven like he, he's definitely a big leaguer, but like he's still not a proven big league starter, right? He's done it on the biggest stage, and that's a big deal, obviously. But he's still a rookie, and you don't exactly know what you're going to get from him. So like to pencil him in as like he's definitely going to be really good, I think is a little ambitious or aggressive, but um. Yeah, we don't really know what he's going to be. We shall see, and we'll see if uh, Urquidy and Peacock are back sooner rather than later. Uh, we spent a long time on the bullpen. I'm guessing across the Athletics' uh, voluminous MLB podcast. I don't know if any of them have gone this long and this deep into the bullpen, but this is where the Astros are at. This thing needs to stabilize itself for this team to achieve some of the goals that it has. Before we get back to the show, let's take a minute to hear about Indochino. Uh, Jake, let's just switch gears a little bit and talk about some other cavalry that could, could be coming uh, at some point. Let me. I want to start with uh, Justin Verlander first. So there was a report from MLB.com that Verlander is apparently making, quote, excellent progress, and he is going to hopefully resume throwing a baseball next week in an effort to return at some point this season. Yeah, that's, um, you know, the biggest update we've probably gotten so far since the day he was put on the IL, right? Um, you know, yes. a lot of it now is just waiting. Like, oh, he's still shut down. He's still, you know, waiting. But um, this makes it pretty clear that he's at least going to try to come back this year. Um, and so I guess next week we'll probably be talking a lot more about it to see, you know, uh, how it went. When he throws, uh, if if he does indeed throw, we haven't we still haven't heard from him about it. So maybe that would be uh, you know once he throws and gets back out there, maybe that's an opportunity for him to address it for the first time, outside of his one tweet. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a big deal, obviously for the Astros if if he can throw without any pain and it, it's all systems go. But obviously that's a a big if right now. I think it's wait and see still, but you know obviously if he's if he's going to return to throw um that's a lot more than we knew even three days ago i agree i'm gonna wait to be optimistic about justin verlander until i see what happens when he actually starts throwing and we either get comments from him or dusty baker or james click or media reports um especially with a truncated season you wonder okay he's gonna resume throwing how's his arm gonna feel how's he gonna be built back up like can he be a starting pitcher in 2020 um, I know people don't, don't want to think about uh, along those lines, but who the heck knows? Um, so I think this is a good sign, but it's so early and he hasn't started throwing yet that I'm still in wait and see mode. I did, I did think it's, it was interesting, not to cut you off, yeah. that, that they placed Osuna on the 45-day IL, but not Verlander. You know, yeah. uh, I think that was, 
I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I don't know. I, I, I took note of that. Hey, real quick, what's the? Have you done the math on the Osuna forty-five day IL? Because I know, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, that there that he's like outside chance. He's hoping he can get back to, towards the end of this season. Like forty-five days seems like it's uh, it's really pushing it. Well, it's so one thing we have to remember is when a player is placed on the IL on the ten-day IL first. That's the date he was placed, even after he's transferred to the forty-five day IL. Yes. So that Makes forty-five sense. days. You trace it back to the day he was placed on the 10-day IL, um, which I don't have in front of me exactly what day that was for Osuna, but so I you think, count 45 I think days would, from that day. Yeah, so I think it would have been August 2nd because that was the next day after he left that game against uh, the Angels. I'm, I'm thinking it was August 2nd. So, so yeah. 45 days from there is what, mid-September? Yeah, mid-September. Okay, so technically an outside chance for Osuna if all goes well for him. I mean, it sounds like it. I, that surprised me when Dusty Baker <laughs> said that on on uh, yes. Wednesday that he was um, going to try to rehab it and, and come back. Um, yeah, I don't know. The injury news has been kind of hit or miss this year in terms of like what we get and what we don't get. And I don't <laughs> completely feel like I know all the time what's going on, to, to be honest with you, with certain well, guys. Speaking of that, Jordan Alvarez, when we talk about the Cavalry coming back, he has obviously not been with the team the whole season. Uh, I see Mark Berman tweeting out, you know, videos of him uh, in Corpus at the alternative site. Looks pretty good. Are you really just uh, name drop Mark Berman on our podcast? <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I did. I did. Out, yes. Right? I'm just kidding. We can edit that out. Yes. Um, you hated that. No, the Corpus Christi <laughs> Hooks have been sending out videos, which has been really cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so it seems like Jordan Alvarez, Jake, could be back as soon as uh, this weekend. I never know when people listen to the podcast. I'm guessing usually the Thursday recording people listen before the games this weekend. But I have no idea what your schedule might be. But it sounds like ver- uh, it sounds like. Alvarez could be there at Minimade against uh, Seattle. It's obviously not a guarantee, but it, it seems like a possibility right now. Yeah, Dusty Baker sure made it sound that way um, on yeah. Wednesday. Um, but like you, who knows? I mean, they also said at one point that Arkady was ahead of Alvarez and that Alvarez needed yep. 30 plate appearances. And who the hell knows? Uh, but yeah, I mean, based on the latest thing Dusty Baker has said on Wednesday, it sounds like it's in play for this weekend. Um, we'll see what he looks like at the plate. You know, I think it's a lot different facing the Chase DeYoung and Fernando Rodney's of the world versus facing, <laughs> although maybe it's not with the Mariners, but um, next yeah, next week with the, with the Padres and, and whatever. Um, and the Rockies uh, have been good this season. They, they've had a strong start. Yeah, they're going to have like Charlie Blackman hit 500. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think, I think uh, that's obviously a huge deal for presence alone. You know, and they can finally stop hitting Josh Reddick second, um, you know, when Alvarez is back, although they could have done that before if they wanted to. Um, Yeah, it's obviously even if he's not fully up to speed right away, it's a a big deal. They'll have to figure out, um, you know, how to get Alvarez and Brantley in the lineup until, you know, Brantley still hasn't played the field because of his quad in a few weeks. And yeah, that could be a tricky one. And yeah. Dusty Baker said on Wednesday he didn't know when Brantley would be able to play the field. They were hoping soon, but he didn't have anything firm. 
He also said Alvarez won't be playing the field because of his knees in spring training. Um, so, yeah, that could be tricky early because Brantley's probably even right now a better option than Alvarez, right? Like, yeah. who would you so. rather have, Brantley or Alvarez in his first game? Yeah, I, yeah, and, and especially like in a one-bat situation, I, I trust Brantley with this professionalism. He, um, you know, Alvarez can sometimes be prone to striking out more. So I agree with you. Yeah, that. but... Obviously, it's a huge development um, when Alvarez does return. And then, like we mentioned earlier, our Katie Peacock, Davinsky are all off the mound. Olympus Diaz is taking BP. So, like, I feel like in two weeks, their roster will look a good bit different than it does yes. today. And that's not because of the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I that's, that's a very good point. Like, we could see a substantially different roster if all those guys between the relievers, between Alvarez, uh, are back with the 28-man roster in the next couple of weeks. Jake, let's finish up with uh, going through the punishments after the Ramon, Laureano, Alex Cintron, tete-a-tete from Sunday. Laureano gets six games. Cintron got 20 games. I thought he was fortunate not to get suspended for the rest of the season. Uh, if I was the Astros, candidly, I'd consider either upgrading the suspension or firing him. I know that a lot of people will not like that opinion, but I'm just being honest here. And I also, real quick, did not understand how Dusty Baker, after the suspension comes down Tuesday, is talking about how, man, MLB really threw the book at, at us. Like, yeah, it's a pandemic. What the hell is your coach doing egging on an opposing player to come at him in a dugout? Like, what, what do you mean they threw the, the book at you? Like, Cintron should be Cintron's lucky to have a job in the Astros organization. Come on. Yeah, and I, I also don't really... I was surprised that Dusty said that Cintron can be around the team before games. Like, yes, that was what interesting. What are you really losing by this? Outside of Cintron's, like, getting a hit to his wallet. Like, I mean, I guess hitting coaches do stuff during games, too. But, like, if he can still work with guys in BP, according to Dusty, um, yeah. I don't know. That seems like a, a suspension should be, like, you're away from the team, right? I agree. I just have no idea what the typical rule is. So I, I'm, I'm assuming that when I, I guess when they suspend other coaches and it's not a common thing that I, I guess they apply the same sort of rules where I guess they can be with the team and they just have to leave before the game starts. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's the case, but I honestly have no idea. Yeah, me neither, honestly, because like you said, it doesn't happen um, <laughs> much. Yeah, no, I, I agree with your points. Um I thought 20, I thought it would be, I thought it would be a little heavier on both sides. Yeah, I was surprised that they went with, I was thinking around 10 or 12 for Loriano. I mean, clearly it, it seems like what they did was like, they, they looked at it and they're like, okay, we got to suspend Loriano because he charged the dugout. You can't do it. You can't do it, especially now during a pandemic. But we realized that he was egged on by the coach. Let's give the coach a lot of games, especially by historical standards, but not give them the whole season. I I, I agree. I, I think it was probably it was probably a little bit light on both ends, but I think that if anyone should be complaining, it should. Well, if anyone should be, uh, let me put it this way again to reiterate: Alex Cintron should be lucky. He should feel lucky to a have a job, b not be suspended for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, and also, like, losing a player for the A's, like, a, you know, when he he's a Loriano's appealing so he can play for the time being. But, like, that's a huge loss for them. He's, like, there's two-hole hitter center fielder who, who yep. just on Wednesday night robbed a home run. Like, he's, he's a good player. Um, 
Centrone, like losing a hitting coach for a couple of weeks, you don't really know what that means. Right? We don't know <laughs> how much that hurts or doesn't hurt any anything with the team. Like obviously hitting coaches are employed for a reason, but like they have another hitting coach and Troy Snicker and they're allowed to call up another hitting coach from Corpus Christi to fill in. So like that was more health. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know. Like we can't really quantify what what one losing one of them means for their team but we can quantify to an extent what losing Ramon Laureano to the A's means so I think that that has to play into it too is like you know one guy's actually like on the field providing you know performance value yes yeah I mean from that standpoint yeah and it didn't seem like the A's were it didn't seem like they were that upset but I I, I would agree that as in terms of the punishments, um, I agree that the A's are objectively hurt more uh, than the Astros, especially in my mind, because I've never been a big I've never been a big hitting coach guy personally. <laughs> I mean, we don't know, right? Like we're not there behind the scenes in the batting yeah, I don't cage. Know. Like we just don't know. Um, what are you uh, moving forward a little bit? Like they play the Mariners this weekend and yep. then it's the Rockies for four and the Padres for three, I believe. It's it's yes. an important stretch for them um, given their standing and, you know, behind the A's. Uh, what are you most going to be monitoring in these next, you know, week and a half or so? I want to see a couple of things. I, I still think, well, I, I think the big one is, can Jose Altuve get it together? He had the off day Wednesday before an off day on Thursday. Is he going to be able to, well, he's able to turn this around. Will he turn this around? When is that going to happen? He's another guy who the batting average on balls in play has been way, way worse than almost all of his past seasons. So I think Altuve is going to get better just by the luck of the draw, but it does seem like he's struggling more than he has probably in his major league career. Uh, so that's a big one. I'm very curious to see how Christian Javier bounces back off of his first bad performance uh, against the A's. And, and then, you know, just kind of like it almost sounds lame to say, but just like keep seeing what's going to happen out of the bullpen. Like, is Blake Taylor going to keep pitching like this? Is Anoli Paredes going to keep pitching like this? Because he's looked really good the last couple times out. Uh, does Ryan Presley pitch better? What, you know... This is an opportunity here. Uh, obviously, Zach Granke doesn't pitch against Seattle, but like this is an opportunity for them to get some wins before they face Colorado uh, for four games, two at home, and then two on the road. But I think this is a, this is a weekend for them to take advantage of the opportunity. They really should have swept the Giants. That They should be sitting here on a Thursday morning at 9-9. Nine and nine. They're not. I would just say Altuve the pitching and the opportunity to pick up some more wins against a not great baseball team. Do you think Dusty might go with your batting order one of these days? I think he might, especially when Alvarez gets back into the mix one of these days. Yeah. I wonder if he listened to the podcast. I, I, I would tend <laughs> to doubt it, but, but maybe yes. um, it's been fun to see all the batting orders online, like from us talking about it on here and like tweeting about it. Like people love batting order opinions and, tweet at they me do. tweet at me like here's what it should be uh so that's fun keep doing that um if you've been enjoying the podcast please rate and review us on apple uh subscribe on apple subscribe on spotify um tell your friends to listen to us too this has been this has been another fun episode um we'll be back monday i believe is that correct yes um 
I, you know, we'll see how the weekend goes in terms of the, the Astros Mariners series. The Mariners are kind of like sneaky right now. So, uh, the Kyle Lewis keeps, keeps hitting home yeah, runs. He's good. So, um, I'm sure we'll talk about that on Monday and, and maybe preview a little bit of the interleague play coming up. Um, this has been another episode of the Crawford Talks. We will talk to you again Monday. <laughs> <laughs>